Hello, friends. Welcome to the Online Pastor Podcast, a place for you to discover faith and explore what it means to follow Jesus, experience God, and navigate life as a person of faith. My name is Amanda, and I am your host and Bible mentor, and I am excited to be on this journey with you. So today we are back to our regular programming. Last week was a bit of a different take on getting to know me. If you didn't listen, I'd encourage you to go check that out just a little bit more about the vision behind the online pastor and a little bit more of my story if you haven't heard it before. But today we are back to our regular season of favorites or things that God has been reminding me or in this case particularly speaking into this season I think of my life but also I suspect of many people's lives and the church and the things that are happening. So Without further ado, I would love you to tune in as we listen from Acts 27 and 28. Well, this is one of those messages that has been in my heart for a while. I have come back to this passage personally and repeatedly, and I didn't really know what to do with it. I thought initially it was like a personal you know, way, way that God was directing me, but I listened to another message and I'm going to give some credit when I get to this part that actually was from this exact text. Now this speaker put a, di- a bit of a different spin on it and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but it felt like the last piece fell into place and I feel f- for permission and freedom to share it with you. And I am excited and also slightly terrified because it has been a real personal journey, this text in the last little while, a lot of grieving for me. Um, And also at the same time, I would say a lot of kind of resolve and resolution to keep focused on the mission. Now I'm going to read the text today from Acts 27 and 28. I would love to encourage you to actually go back to this scripture after I'm done because I just simply can't read two scripture or two full chapters of scripture. But I just want to set up the context for you that Paul is on this ship and he's sailing for Rome as a prisoner. He's requested to to have his um, time in Rome with the emperor. And as a result, he stayed as a prisoner. So Paul is on the ship in Acts 27 and they're sailing for what we know is Italy and they drop off, they do a ship drop off there and Paul embarks with other prisoners on this ship. Now it's debated throughout chapter 27 whether this is a good idea given the season because there are certain types of winds and storms that come up and It turns out that despite the time of year being unfavorable for sailing, they decide they're going to, the captain and the crew decide they're going to make for their destination, even though it's not considered at all a good time to go. So then in verse 13 of chapter 27, there is this huge uh, storm and the ship is caught. They couldn't face the wind. 
and they're just driven. Actually, they just turn the ship to let the wind, rather than break the ship apart or break the sails, they just let it go and let the ship be driven. And they end up on a small island called Kada. And then they use supports to, to reinforce the ship. And then they stay there for three days and they are starting to throw things overboard just to lighten the ship so it doesn't run aground. And we read in verse 20 that all hope of being saved is abandoned. And now they have gone without food. And it's more at this time that it's likely they're going without food because they're fasting and praying Who knows to what gods at this point? We know who Paul is is praying to, but we don't know who the rest uh, of the gods that other of the the other sailors are employing. But Paul at this point says, basically, men, you should have listened to me. This is verse twenty one, and not to sail from Crete and incurred injury and loss. Now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there before me, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You will stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith, Paul says, in God, that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we're going to run aground on an island. Now, let's just pause there. If you think about this kind of reality, Paul's standing there. These men are, you know, stuck for three days. They're gone without food. And Paul says he's had a visitation from an angel. And now from an internal perspective, I just want to say the part that was speaking to me in this whole chapter is Paul is knows that he's going to end up in Rome. He's actually given by the angel affirmation that he is going to stand before Caesar and as an act of mercy, almost as an overflow of Paul's favor, the men around him on this ship are going to be are going to be saved. But Paul is telling them it's going to get worse before it gets better because they're going to run aground. Now, the thing that um, happens in the next little while, so it's like the 14th night. So I, I, like nothing kind of really changes initially. There is a number of nights happening and and they keep getting shallower and shallower and shallower. And the soldiers on the ship that are guarding the men basically are thinking of throwing the men overboard. Or they're seeking, and some of the sailors are seeking to escape the ship. But Paul says everyone has to stay on board or no one will get saved. And then as the day is about to dawn, Paul urged them, this is probably, they've been fasting now for almost two weeks, said, take some food. You have continued in suspense without food and you need some now. It's going to give you strength. This is verse 34. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And then when he took, when he said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. I just want to point out there. If you think about the significance of those words, the way that Luke has recorded them, when he took bread, giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Very likely, he is at least alluding to the Lord's Supper there, or the Last Supper. This is Paul in the presence of these men taking nourishment, where, where his real saving comes from. Then they're all encouraged by this and ate food themselves. So I do think it seems that they have watched him do this 
I think they probably, Paul has in the flesh done a spiritual act, right? He is, he has broken the body. Reminder that the promise is that Christ is saved where us, where it matters most. But then also Paul has this certainty from the angel's appearance that he's going to appear before Caesar. And then as a result, after this, we read that the men eat. I just want to pause there because this passage to me was just a reminder that when it seems like things are really bad, sometimes God is at work in ways that we can't see. And we have to, have to, have to. And this is this the part that was resonating for me personally of this is like that Paul had this certainty from the angel about his promises. And and that Paul would make it. And I would even, I'm going to say it another way. Paul had a certainty about his mission. And I was just reminded in this season where it seems like a lot of things personally were not making sense that God's promises are the places to go. If you have areas in your life that are not making sense, God's promises are the places to go. That is going to give you clarity for the mission, but it also will give you faith for the provision. It'll give you clarity for the mission and faith for the provision of what God has promised he's going to do. Because if he said he's going to do it, you only need to trust it. So I have been sitting in this for a while of coming back to the promises when it seems like things are really bad. And I love the fact, it's not great when you're in the experience, but when you actually look back at verse 26 and Paul says, we're going to run aground. In other words, you're on the sea, you're in a boat. This is not good news. In other words, there's going to be a shipwreck. Things are going to get worse before they get better. Now I want to credit this next section or... Danielle Strickland was speaking at a gathering I was listening to, the 24-7 online gathering. And and she just was using the way this ship as an analogy for the way things have splintered in the last little while. Now, if you're a Christ follower, I would say that in the last 18 months to two years, there has been a lot of splintering of community and spiritual community and church, things have really fallen apart. I think that there is an uprooting that has been happening. But Danielle got at this sort of splintering analogy, and I love that. That was a word around splintering is just what I what I had resonated with in my spirit. That there, it seems like things are just splintering apart. People are being separated organizations, communities that had been together are being divided by many different things. I don't need to name them. I think to each of you listening, there will be different things that come to mind. And this is what I think Paul is alluding to sometimes when we hold on to a promise and we know a mission, it might get worse before it gets better. It might get worse before it gets better. And that can be really scary. I also wonder if the way that Paul focuses on his mission and the promise that he receives from the angels helps give him hope. I think it does because the other men 
watch him partake of the bread and they eat for the first time it seems in two weeks. So I want to acknowledge Danielle for giving me that analogy of greater richness. And I'm going to take it more personally now to into a personal reflection for us as we're listening. If there is an internal splintering, things that you have, um, you feel like, you know, you were on stable ground. If I can use the ship analogy, like things that you thought were secure, ways that you knew things were going to happen or that you could expect it to happen now is rumbling beneath your feet. I wonder if this is an invitation to hold on to the promises of God and to remember your mission as a Christ follower. Hold on to the promises of God and remember your mission. And I think this is really, really, really important in this season because it can feel in the midst of a shipwreck. There is actually a book out there. I forgot the author, about, but he, ta- he uses this analogy. It's called How to Survive a Shipwreck. And it's an analogy for, I think, if I remember correctly, when things kind of go upside down in your life. It strikes me that a lot of us in the past couple of years have relied on a lot of things, probably unintentionally, when we really were only meant to rely on Christ. I like how Corey ten Boom says it, you'll never discover that Christ is enough until Christ is all you have. And I think that that in this season is perhaps true. And I wonder, too, if in the analogy, if we're allowed to just play with it a bit, if we have seen, perhaps in our own journeys, a splintering of the ship that we may call and have called the church, if this has been your experience, it might not be. If we have called a splintering of what we have called the church is to remember the promises of God and the mission of God. I think COVID did something for us. I mean, there's many things that are happening, but one of the things that I would say, and I wish someone had told me this before I had my experience, my very painful experience in the church, that faith in the church, although oftentimes we experience, you know, the church as an expression of faith, Our faith can survive a shipwreck. Our faith is meant to actually survive any type of shipwreck. When we lean into the promises of God, we actually realize that we were always the mission. For many of us, our faith experience probably became too enmeshed with church experience. And with COVID, I think that what happened is the ability to believe you had faith because you went to church was challenged. And some of us are walking out in this season realizing my faith actually exists and I haven't been, quote unquote, in church in 18 months. And others may have realized I thought I had faith, but all it was was me going to church. And perhaps the reality of the lack of faith has been exposed. The splintering of the ship that we have relied on as solid ground is an invitation, I think, along with Paul, to lean into in this season the promises of God for you and that you were always the mission. 
Jesus came for you. His promise is to redeem you. And so this prepares Paul, these promises and being remembering that he's on mission, he's going to stand before Caesar, Caesar, prepares him for this next part. And this is the part, I think, for me that I have just been sitting on for months and months and months. And I'm just going to read this experience. So they have the shipwreck. And then they wash up on shore. And this is chapter 28 in Acts. So after we were brought safely through, that's every man, all the soldiers, the prisoners, the sailors, we learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and it was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened his, his, himself on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt, this man is a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, that is Paul, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and and said that he was a god. Now we're just going to pause there. The encouragement or the challenge that I have sat in with this verse, this passage, is that Paul comes up on the shore and he has, he's making a fire to help people dry and he gets bitten by a snake and the snake is poisonous and the natives are watching, they're suspicious, they see that he's probably got prisoner's clothes or prisoner's mark on him and so they're making assumptions about him. And then... The snake bites him. And he shakes it off. I think there are many things for me personally in the last number of months that I'm going to just say could feel like a snake bite. I th- and I'm going to even say minimally because that sounds kind of, you know, disastrous. But I would say many things that are or could be distracting from God's mission. And what does Paul do here? He shakes it off. Paul being on that ship, knowing his mission, he's going to appear to Caesar. He's going to appear before Caesar. And then receiving the promises of God in the form of an angel, angelic visitation. When you are leaning into those promises, when you know your mission, everything else is a distraction. When you know your mission, when you are leaning into the promises, everything else is a distraction. And I don't say this lightly because the distraction of Paul is the possibility of a deadly snake, but he's leaning into the promises of God. And I just wonder in this season where there is a lot of things to distract us from our faith, to distract us from the mission to make disciples if we are being invited and reminded that this is meant to be shaken off. The Lord has given very great and precious promises and every spiritual blessing is ours. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us and everything else is a distraction 
from the mission and the promises of God. I just wonder in this season if you're feeling a splintering either of yourself or things underneath, underneath your feet that stood firm. If this passage is also meant to remind you to not be distracted from the mission of God and the promises of God. And remembering that first and foremost, the mission of God was you and his very great and precious promises to be co-heirs with Christ and to inherit the same spirit that lived from the dead and we have all surpassing riches in Christ Jesus. And as a result, anything else that comes against us, even fatal, even be it fatal, this is a poisonous snake, whatever fatal things might cause us to perish, we are called to have no fear. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Online Pastor Podcast. Please take something away and talk to God about it. But also, don't take my word for it. Grab your Bibles and spend some time with Jesus. Stay current on the next episode by hitting subscribe. And also stay connected by finding us under the handle, The Online Pastor. I look forward to being with you again.